Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench, everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at JustAskVi. That's V-I dot com. And here we go. My opponent is against oil, guns, and God. I am the Democratic Party right now. 47 years, you've done nothing. Everything Americans value hangs in the balance. We have an obligation under the Constitution to use every arrow in our quiver. This is the most important election in the history of our country. I believe that. This is Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. And welcome. It is Devious Motives. I'm Brett Winterbull. Great to be spending this Sunday with you. This is episode number 16 of our 30-episode podcast that we are going to be uh, uh, deploying between now and, of course, Election Day coming up in early November. The narrative for today is the elites being skewered. And I know it sounds... Uh, kind of vague, but l- let's just dive right into this. The elites are being skewered at an unbelievable rate from people who uh, understand and recognize this system as being essentially rigged against voter best interest. What do I mean by that? Well, everybody's been talking about this Hunter Biden story and the the, the pay for play that involved his father, e- even Peter Schweitzer, uh, overnight deploying more information uh, about the, uh, the the scandal involving uh, Hunter Biden and the new emails that have been coming out since Friday afternoon when I was on the air on News Talk 1110 wbt and, and breaking all this stuff down. We now have we now have incredible stuff that is out there moving. And it is a uh, it, it is a frightening reality that this is a man who was definitely compromised starting in 2009, 2010. Going into 2011, we've got the emails, uh, we, we've got the uh, the conversations that we documented on Friday on the show, uh, and then on Saturday, uh, yesterday uh, as well. There, there is a lot of stuff out there. In fact, on Saturday, the Hill newspaper published uh, excerpts of a memo that Jennifer O'Malley Dillon, the Democrat nominee's campaign manager, sent to supporters and activists urging them not to take Biden's lead in the polls as an assurance of victory. We cannot become complacent because the very searing truth is that Donald Trump can still win this race. And every indication we have shows this thing is going to come down to the wire. They're right about that. O'Malley Dillon further cautioned supporters in the key 2020 battlegrounds that, quote, the race is far closer than some of the punditry we're seeing on Twitter and TV would suggest. Of course it is. I've gone into this 
in excruciating detail with the pollsters. If it is within four or five points and the national poll doesn't matter, there is no national poll. There's a national day of voting, but there's no national poll out there that's going to that's going to matter. What you see when it's within three, four, five points is it's a toss up. It's a toss up. Uh, Dylan O'Malley, O'Malley Dylan says, while we see robust leads at the national level in the states we're counting on to carry us to victory like Arizona, and North Carolina, we're only up by three points. We know that even the best polling can be wrong and that variables like turnout mean that in a number of critical states we're functionally tied. We need to campaign like we're trailing. You are trailing. Uh, you, you are clearly trailing. Uh, why is why, why are we seeing the sort of uh, dynamic uh, unfold that, that we're seeing play out here? Let me let me dip into this for a quick second for you. Uh, Larry Schweikert is a, is a conservative a, a gadfly thinker, pundit, what have you. He starts looking at the uh, early voting stats. Some of this stuff is pretty interesting. Um, Republicans cut one and a half points from the Democrats lead in VBM. Uh, and early in-person voting. This uh, this is a look in, what is this? This is North Carolina, right? This is North Carolina. Votes cast 665,000 Ds, 355,000 uh, Rs, and 408,000 independents. Ds have cast 310,000 more votes than the Republicans, but in 2016, Democrats cast 310,000 more votes than Republicans in the entire early voting period. It's the exact same spread as today. Republicans have won three straight days of early voting so far and are the odds-on favorite to win in North Carolina. It should be noted Sunday. Right now, today, you've got Joe Biden coming into North Carolina to campaign again. Uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, you'll have the president come in and campaign in Gastonia. Black voters have turned out the first three days uh, in early voting in large numbers, especially day one. Um, but they're starting to slow down to a trickle mail-in ballots in the heavy dem areas are starting to uh, trickle down ours still outperformed democrats on all three days which means white democrats are cannibalizing their in-person votes by voting via mail black voters may be front-loaded in in-person early voting through voter drives but you know you're you're still seeing a diminishing return at some point same thing in florida you're seeing different numbers out there in florida where you've got representing uh, essentially seven thousand more voters than uh, Democrats than Republicans have um, on a day-by-day -day basis. But again, it's dwindling as well. Why are you seeing all the commercials on television nonstop? Not the political commercials, not the expressly political commercials. Vote for this candidate, vote for that candidate. Why are you seeing the commercials exhorting you to get out and vote you gotta vote you gotta get out you've gotta vote you gotta stop all this this is crazy you've gotta you, you've gotta do everything you can to shut this down and to vote 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 people are voting they're they're voting but they may not be voting for biden facts hashtag facts you heard the clip yesterday i played for you from uh, uh crazy chris cuomo yelling at ice cube calling him his bro and, and talking about how the Biden campaign wouldn't even have a conversation with him about the, the, the black uh, contract with America or the contract with black America. It's, it's very disconcerting. Now, against this backdrop, you have a couple of other things happening. You have the president going over to Michigan, Muskegon, Michigan, on Saturday night doing a rally. It absolutely enraged Jake Tapper. It, it absolutely enraged him. Uh, Laura Trump and Jake Tapper were on TV this morning. 
Jake Tapper threw her off the show because she mentioned that uh, Joe Biden appeared to be in cognitive decline. Uh, I'll let you hear that clip here in just a second. But let me give you the front loaded uh, stuff here that I think is interesting. There was a lot of concern, a lot of worry over the idea that people at the Muskegon rally for the president were chanting locker up, talking about Gretchen Whitmer. And so upset was Jake Tapper that, that he he demanded an explanation from Laura Trump. Here's what that sounded like. Well, thank goodness uh, that she's OK. And I want to say thank you, Jake, for having me on. You listed all the people you asked to be on. And here I am <laughs> with you today. Um, but look, it was the president's uh, Department of Justice that actually thwarted this attack against Gretchen Whitmer. No one should ever feel uh, threatened. No one should ever have this sort of, uh, you know, thing uh, happen to them. This was awful to happen to her. Thank goodness for the Department of Justice that thwarted this attack. Uh, but look, people are frustrated around America. And I was just in Michigan last week. I can tell you. People there are telling me that their businesses are being run into the ground because they cannot survive this. They they still feel like they are totally locked down. And at a certain point, Jake, I think people are saying, look, we live in the United States of America. We do have some freedoms. We want to get back to some normalcy. So people are very frustrated with that governor. It has nothing to do uh, with this attack against her, this attempted attack against her. Uh, but I think you're hearing people's frustration play out there at the Trump rally. Right. Gretchen Whitmer, for her part, showed up over on uh, Meet the Press with Chuck Todd and addressed these uh, these threats that had come her way uh, as a result of 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 language that she thinks is intemperate coming from the president. Here's what Gretch told uh, uh, Chuck Todd over at NBC's Meet the Press. Here's what it sounded like. It's it's incredibly disturbing that the president of the United States, 10 days after a plot to kidnap, put me on trial and execute me. 10 days after that was uncovered, the president is at it again and inspiring and in incentivizing and um, inciting this kind of domestic terrorism. It is wrong. It's got to end. It is dangerous, not just for me and my family, but for public servants everywhere who are doing their jobs and trying to protect their fellow Americans. People of goodwill on both sides of the aisle need to step up and call this out and bring the heat mm -hmm. down. This is the United States of America. We do not tolerate actions like he is giving comfort to. And that's why we all have to be in this together. Define we when you say we all have to be in this together. Defi define what that means. What does we mean? W which we? What we are you? Uh, what, what we are you talking about? Are you talking about the we, the Democrats, we, the people of the country? Or are, are you talking about, uh, uh, I mean, who, who, who's, who's this we? Who is this we you speak of? Well, for his part, diminutive uh, George Stephanopoulos had Speaker Pelosi on his program. And here's what she had to say about the big meanie Donald Trump. Check it out. The president has to realize that the words of the president of the United States weigh a ton. And in our political dialogue, to inject fear tactics into it, especially a woman governor and her family, is so irresponsible. And in all fairness to people who listen to him, people think the president is important and what he says should be adhered to. And so we have this horrible situation, but the people have awakened to him. 26 million people already voting. The biggest antidote to his poison is the vote. And herein lies the rub from the empress of ice cream.
you, you're going to see this. You're going to see this and you're going to hear this repeatedly from these, these yo-yos in Washington, D.C., okay? 26 million have voted. I, mean, I laugh every single day. I check the count, right? And every single day they go, they go, 127 million people voted yesterday. 690 million people voted last week. I mean, it's, it's just go with these numbers, right? Do you understand that Speaker Pelosi, these people are not smart. They're, they're not smart. And I'm, I'm talking about the politicians, the political class broadly, okay? They're not smart. So 26 pe million people voted yesterday or uh, voted so far. They all, went for, they all went for Biden? They all went for Biden, Speaker Pelosi? I know for a fact at least two people that I know personally went and voted and uh, they didn't vote for Joe Biden. The fact is they're going to count every early vote as it's a vote for Biden. You, you heard that last week with Amy Cody Barrett, right? Well, I mean, the people are the people are voting now. They're voting as we speak. The people are voting. We can't ignore the people who are voting. Yeah, but a lot of those people are voting for Trump and wanted Amy Coney Barrett to 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 be to be uh, uh, put on the bench. No, that's impossible, Brett. The early voters are only going for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris because they're so enthusiastic and excited. So enthusiastic and excited uh, that that's what's going on here. Now, I want to tell you a little anecdotal story here very quickly. I do not disclose where I live. But somehow the state of California knows where I currently live. The only way I can divine that knowledge is I had to, when I registered my vehicle in the state, I had to send proof that I had left the state of California with my vehicle and send it to the DMV. Well, what shows up on Saturday at my house? What do you think showed up on Saturday at my house? I don't live in California, haven't lived in California since February. Um, what, what showed up at my house was a ballot to vote in California. I have it. I'd post it. I, I might black it out. I might black out my address so you guys can see. I got a ballot from California, a mail-in ballot forwarded to me out of state from California. Isn't that something? I'm registered to vote in my state here, but California's got, so I could, I mean, if I was a dishonest, bad person, I could go out and commit voter fraud, right? But there's no voter fraud. Wait, 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 wait. Shh, there's no voter fraud. The voter fraud is fiction. Sure it is. Just like the big wave of people all voting for Biden is fiction. It's all fiction. It's all fictitious. Now, I promised you I would mention uh, what it was that happened between Laura Trump and, of course, uh, Jake Tapper, who is uh, really, I mean, he said uh, he, he's clearly an ethical decline. She, he got upset when Laura Trump uh, uh, talked uh, about the uh, uh, Biden's uh, cognitive issues. And he said, that's impossible. There's no cognitive issue there. He's totally fine. You're just a hate monger. Uh, let me set it up this way. This is really fascinating. Jake Tapper started the segment by playing a clip from uh, Laura Trump at an event earlier this year talking about the fact that Joe Biden has difficulty communicating. He, st he stammers a lot. Uh, he, he doesn't get, make clear statements. He gets confused. He gets lost in the sauce. And she, she, he plays that clip of Laura Trump at a women's voter forum talking about that. And we've all seen it. We call it, he's gaftastic, right? 
Then he plays the clip of the young boy from New Hampshire who spoke at the Democratic National Convention, and I admire this young boy. Uh, I think he's an incredibly brave person. But he stutters, and he said that when he met Vice President Biden out on the campaign trail, he felt so um, happy to know that he had gotten so far in his life despite his stutter. And it's a very tender moment. I don't care about the politics. As a father, as a human being with empathy, it's an incredibly tender moment to, to see this boy speaking and, and stuttering and, and trying really hard to get his message across. Well, Jake Tapper went bananas over this, and then it got really testy. Joe Biden, as we all know, has worked to overcome a stutter. Uh, and one of the speakers at the Democratic convention was a, a young boy who the vice president inspired named Braden Harrington. Uh, take a listen. It was really amazing to hear that someone like me became vice president. Braden Harrington, a very brave young boy. You made this comment earlier in the campaign about Joe Biden. Let's take a listen to that. Every time he comes on stage or they turn to him, I'm like, Joe, can you get it out? Let's get the words out, Joe. You kind of feel bad for him. How do you think it makes little kids with stutters feel when they see you make a comment like that? Uh, first and foremost, I had no idea that Joe Biden ever suffered from a stutter. I think what we see on stage with Joe Biden, Jake, is very clearly a cognitive decline. Okay. That's what I'm referring to. It makes me uncomfortable. You, ha you are to no. Watch you have, I can't, this is so amazing. It's so amazing to me and, that, and, that and try and figure out an answer. A cognitive decline. Well, when you're trying you, to you, tell you, me that what I was suggesting was. I a think stuttering, that you are mocking his no stutter. Idea, yeah, I think you are mocking his stutter, and I think you have absolutely this, no standing to diagnose no. somebody's cognitive decline. I would think. That somebody in the I'm Trump family would be more sensitive to people who do, do not have medical not licenses diagnosing politicians ago, from afar. Ago. Plenty of people have diagnosed your father from afar, and I, I'm sure it offends you. Your father-in-law from afar, I'm sure it offends you. You don't have any standing I'm not to say diagnosing him. What I'm saying, Jake, you just talked is about a cognitive decline. That Joe I, Biden I have is one last question for you, Laura. You can't times you, on stage, and it's very concerning to a lot of people that this could be the leader of the free world. Okay, that is all I'm saying. I genuinely Thank you, feel Laura sorry Trump. for Joe Biden. I appreciate it. I'm sure it was from a place of concern. We all we all believe that, Laura Trump. Thank you so much. Go back to the beginning of this episode of this devious motives, and hear what I said about the elites are being afflicted. They're being afflicted, and they're now conflicted. Straight ahead, I'm going to let you hear what Steve Bannon had to say about the hard drive. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to Devious Motives. You're listening to Devious Motives. You're listening to Devious Motives. I'm Brett Witterbull. It is Devious Motives. Great to be here with you. All right, let's, uh, let's go back to that central narrative that I was talking about just a few minutes ago, and it is the idea that the elites are being afflicted. You watched what happened earlier uh, in the week as Twitter and Facebook joined the Reindeer Fun, joined the Reindeer Games, and decided that they were going to censor anybody from posting the New York Post stories about Hunter Biden's hard drive. Well, things have gotten substantially worse uh, in the intervening uh, week or so. But let me start with what the stakes are in this election. And I'm going to let you hear it from an NBC News package coming out of San Francisco. In San Francisco, 
yesterday, so Saturday in San Francisco, you had a, a gathering of people uh, who wanted to protest against Twitter and the social media giants for squelching free speech, for suppressing free speech. So they show up, and it's actually led by a, a, a young man who is an African-American. He's a black man who is leading this protest. There was maybe about a half a dozen or a dozen uh, uh, fellow protesters gathering with him to speak uh, uh, out against the social media out outfits, right? Well, guess who showed up on the scene just in time? That's right, Antifa. The militant wing of the Democratic Party, the logical heirs to the the, the Klan and to the uh, to to the original uh, Jim Crow enforcers, these people showed up and decided they were going to administer beatings, beatings to the folks who were showing up to protest against Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I've not heard any repudiation of this from Jack Dorsey or from Zuckerberg, uh, the people over at, at Google. But I'll tell you something right now. If you think there's a, there's a lot of momentum for repealing Section 230 of the, of the, of the Communication Decency Act, um, this going to this gonna fuel it. Here's the NBC News package coming out of San Francisco about Antifa beating people up in the street. And, and, and sadly, the reality is the man who organized the march had his teeth punched out by the militant wing of the Democratic Party, Antifa. Check it out. This is video of Philip Anderson, one of the organizers of today's free speech rally in San Francisco, getting hit in the mouth by a counter-protester. He and another man scrambling to safety over a barricade. It doesn't hurt, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to have to see a dentist. Anderson doesn't live in California, but he flew here and put together this event in San Francisco's UN Plaza, calling it a free speech rally in protest. One of the targets was Twitter, who organizers claim is censoring conservative views. A very small group came out to support Anderson. They identify as supporters of President Donald Trump and post their conservative views on social media. But they say violence is not the answer. Anderson and his supporters did take the stage briefly, but as counter-protesters shouted them down, the rally abruptly ended after about 10 minutes. San Francisco police were on hand to separate the two sides, but the rally organizers were clearly outnumbered. We don't need those people in San Francisco. We don't need a new fascist movement in this country. What we need is working class solidarity against that kind of rhetoric, which is divisive and which pits the working class against one another. In San Francisco, Pete Serratos, NBC Barry News. Uh, let, let's dissect this for a quick second, shall we? Uh, number one, the police were not on hand to separate the two sides. It, it was about 300 uh, militant terrorists on the street looking to beat up about a dozen people. So there, there was no police on hand to separate the two sides. There was a group of people, a minority of people speaking out. You hear the police sirens going off. Those aren't because the police showed up with police cruisers. That's what the Antifa people do when they don't want to hear your message, when they don't want to hear your message. They turn on their sirens and they make a racket and they make a lot of noise. Now, that man, Philip Anderson, who was punched in the face, it clearly uh, was punched in the face, not just with a fist. I'm guessing that your uh, your militant wing of the Biden campaign there uh, was, was, was probably using uh, brass knuckles. It's what it looked like to me uh, because he literally had about six of his teeth 
knocked out of his uh, of his mouth and um it's 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 very alarming because and as i was talking to people about this yesterday and and into today uh, what i was hearing is well what happens on november 4th if the election doesn't go their way and they start coming into your neighborhoods into your communities whether they're cities or suburbs what happens when they come in looking for payback against you? I, I, I did the story last week about shutdown DC. They've posted a manifesto and a manual online for uh, essentially engaging in, in an insurgency that the likes of which we haven't seen uh, ever on the streets of the United States, but we certainly saw over in Iraq with ISIS and uh, AQI and, and those, those different uh, organizations. These are folks who are looking to set up an insurgency and, what is so incredible about this, when you hear those two clips, the one, the crazy old lady who said, we don't need another fascist movement in San Francisco. You're, you're part of that fascist movement because Antifa is the most fascist organization you could possibly have. You're going out in the streets with brickbats and skateboards uh, covered up uh, in, in masks and beating people, people of color, people who are white, people who are LGBTQ. Andy No was punched in the head with a, uh, was hit in the head with a cement milkshake last summer. We remember what happened. It's obvious what's going on here. This is going to become an insurgency. And I do believe Antifa is rooting for Trump to get reelected so that they can undertake an effort to burn the entire country down. And the thing that is so tragic about it is you hear that second clip from the woman who says, we don't need people being divided among the workers. The working people need to be united and not be separated. By what? By free speech? By free speech, by dissent. We don't need the workers to be divided by free speech and dissent. That's, that's a curious thing because you've literally got the first ever revolution in world history taking place against the working class by the most elite there is nobody more elite than soros and zuckerberg and dorsey and the billionaires in silicon valley there is nobody more elite than joe biden and hunter biden and barack obama and michelle obama the political elites nancy pelosi is among the most elite and the wealthiest people and when you have one person at the end of last week show a little decency and that was Diane Feinstein thanking Lindsey Graham for what she thought was a very decent series of hearings uh, into Amy Coney Barrett's qualifications to be on the Supreme Court. She thanked him and gave him a hug afterwards. And Brian Fallon, the chief spokeshole and the leader, the leader of, of one of the organizations that's looking to uh, d destroy Amy Coney Barrett, Demand Justice is the organization. He's a lieutenant inside the Clinton uh, uh, family. He's a he's he's a capo. He's a capo inside the Clinton family. So what what you what you have are these these massive elites deploying against the working people. These people that showed up for free speech are conservatives in San Francisco. By definition, they're they're an endangered species. But let let's go a little bit more into the circuitry of what it is that's happening in this country. Uh, because Steve Bannon, right? Maybe is it safe to say Steve Bannon's the most reviled person in in uh, uh, the American body politic? He's under indictment by the federal government for uh, a shady deal that he supposedly did to build the wall to finance the wall uh, uh, on, on a granular level, and he's uh, obviously facing serious charges in that regard. Well, S Steve Bannon. Turns out Steve Bannon's involved with the Hunter Biden laptop, Rudy and Steve, Steve and Rudy. And he did an interview on Sky News over in Australia uh, very early this morning, 6 o'clock, uh, 6 p.m. Australia time uh, on Sunday. 
And here's what he had to say about the entreaties coming his way by the Hunter Biden legal team. Check this out. He actually, in a panic, called the because they Hunter, when he dropped it off, was drunk. There's like two or three of these shops in Wellington. They called around and he figured out it might be this guy. He called him. And when the guy says, hey, I, you know, I kind of don't remember. I'm going back to my shop. He sent a couple of emails in panic saying, I got to get my hands on this right away. So, no, we, and we haven't released that yet. We're holding that back to make sure that if they walk into the trap, we're just going to drop it on them. Right. Because this is just lies right now. The mainstream media. Here's the beauty. My, my, my training under Andrew Breitbart was put it out, let them lie and then bang, drop them on the line. Let them lie some more. Drop it again. What you're seeing is a full meltdown by the American elite trying to spin the Russia, the Russia narrative, the Russia. Look, Russia's a sideshow to a sideshow. Later on in the morning, Steve Bannon uh, was doing his War Room Pandemic show, and he, he opined about the practical implications of what's coming out regarding Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Remember the Peter Schweikert uh, stuff, Peter Schweitzer stuff, I call him Schweikert, Larry Schweikert, but Peter Schweitzer uh, has more of these emails, more information coming out. Bannon's aware of what it is. And these are emails coming out from a guy named Cooney who have who has nothing to do with this Hunter Biden hard drive laptop thing. Nothing to do with that in any way, shape, or form. But this is what Bannon says the real implication is for the elites. Remember I told you that this is the first ever revolution in the world where the elites are going to war with the working class and trying to destroy the advocate for the working class? Well, here's what Bannon says is coming and what the next mission is involving China. He's talking about a revolution. Nobody's talking this way in the American body politic. And, and if you're setting this up as Donald Trump is trying to square away China because of the, 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 the coronavirus and the trade deals and the imbalances, and you put that up against the fact that Joe Biden and Hunter and their associates were looking to make money off of the, the suffering and the misery in China. And don't forget, by the way, Nike is a part of this and the Silicon Valley outlets are a part of this. It's a dangerous uh, brew all the way around. Listen to what Bannon says about this. We know the Biden campaign is watching. There's a lot more to come. And just remember, every time something comes out and you lie about it or you hide behind the Russia coverage, additional information is going to come out and prove your liars. So for Tony Blinken and all you guys seeing your careers go up in uh, ashes, just remember there's the evidence, emails, text messages, a lot more to come. And not just from the hard drive, there's stuff coming out all over affidavits, other things from other news organizations. You're going to be buried in an avalanche of evidence of your corruption and how you've sold out America. You sold out America to the equivalent of the Nazi party in the 1930s. That's what the Chinese Communist Party is. This is not about China. It's not about the Chinese people. The Chinese people are totally innocent here. Most decent, hardworking people on earth. It is their liberation that's the defining aspect of the first half of the 21st century. And you have been complicit in their slavery. You have stolen their money to make yourselves wealthier. Joe Biden, and his family, and Blinken, and Sullivan, and you guys are caught up in it too, okay? You have stolen the money from the hardest working people on earth that are enslaved by this totalitarian dictatorship that breaks down the ground house Christians, breaks down the ground Catholic Church, suppresses the Tibetan Buddhists, puts concentration camps with the Muslim Uyghurs. You have taken blood money, blood money, to go out and you, Hunter Biden, to do your drugs and all your depravity, well, it's all going to come out in living color, okay? All going to come out in living color. 
That money, sir, was stolen from the Chinese people in slave labor. Remember that, stolen from them. So your, your key takeaway on this is that anybody who's doing business with the Chinese Communist Party at the upper level, whether you're selling access to your office or, or whether you're entering into agreements with them, Bannon says the, the, the end is near because there's a revolution coming and it's going to be the, the freedom of the Chinese people that's going to be on the line. The elites around the world are notably nervous about what is going to happen on election day here in the United States. And it's not because president Trump is, is going to do something rash or radical or dangerous or any of that sort of stuff. They're nervous because if the American people co-sign a second term for the president of the United States, it, it means that people everywhere else around the world have the opportunity to, to say, we're not going to go back to the old ways. We're going back towards, towards freedom and liberty. And I think that's an important conversation to have when you're allowed to without street violence and people with baseball bats coming up to you and punching you and knocking out your teeth. That's going to do it for us. I'm Brett Witterbull. You've listened to episode number 16 of Devious Motives. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.